Hey everyone, my name is Jason Parker, and I want to welcome you to the Coastal Church Podcast. I'm super excited for you to hear this message. We believe that God wants to speak to us, and we hope that you're open to hear what he has to say to you today. Enjoy. Tonight we have um, a special guest, or a group of guests from Teen Challenge, and I said it before, but they presented amazingly. So I would encourage you, lock in, focus, pay attention, because the Lord not only wants to show you what he's doing um, in and through them, but I think he wants to open up our eyes to how he is moving in the Maritimes, how he's not done here yet. So why don't you welcome Terry with me, give him a warm coastal welcome, and here he is. Thank you, dear. Bless you. Good evening. That's better. That's awesome. My name is Terry Branscombe. I am the development officer for Teen Challenge Atlantic Men's Center in Memram Cook. It is a delight to be here. We had an interesting journey down. We left, I left Moncton at 5 this morning. We were at Lance, uh, Nova Scotia, for a morning service, the four, three and a half to four-hour drive to get here. And halfway here, there was a fire in the middle of the road. A car caught fire, blocked traffic for almost an hour. We were supposed to get here at 4. We got here at, what, one minute after 5? And uh, when we pulled off, my uh, engine, my, my um, gauge was saying that I was out of gas. I thank God for the Shell station up the street. Uh, we'll fill up tomorrow. Uh, it is a blessing to be here. I want to tell you that God is very much still alive and at work in the Maritimes. I've been a pastor for over 40 years, but what I have seen God do in the last four years that I've been involved with Teen Challenge, I've been a volunteer for many years, but in the last four years as the staff development officer, uh, it has been such, such a treat. So I hope that you will be encouraged. Let's go to the next slide. Over the next 35 minutes, I'm going to give you some gut-wrenching statistics on what's happening across Canada uh, about and around addiction. We're going to talk about Teen Challenge Canada. We're a, a larger ministry. We've been growing even during COVID. God was blessing and, and there's some cool things happening. You're going to get to hear from both of our guys tonight, Matt and uh, Corey. I can't see them, but they're over there somewhere. Uh, and uh, then we're going to come back and we're going to close our time together about talking about ways we can partner together. And by that I mean two-way street, some things that I'm going to be asking of you and some things that I'm going to be giving to you that I pray will be a blessing for you. So let's, let's jump right in. Let's go to the next slide. According to the Canadian Mental Health Association, one out of every six of us Canadians are going to struggle with addiction at some point in our life. So what do we got? About 70 people here right now. So 11 of you are going to deal with addiction, statistically speaking. Let me, though, talk about the reality of what that really means. Every 49 minutes, on average, every day, every 49 minutes, we lose one of our friends to the fight on addiction. They don't make it. I personally have lost two uncles and an aunt my cousin, who was my, one of my best friends, we grew up together on farms, uh, side by each. We found him in his early 20s with a bullet hole to his head. We don't know if it was self-inflicted or if it was a result of all of the stuff that was going on around addiction 
But I know this. I know I'm not the only one in this room. By show of hands, is there anybody beside me that knows someone that struggles with addiction? Put your hand up. I know the horror and the heartache, and it has only gotten worse. During the pandemic, we were seeing, and now the statistic is every seven minutes, 186 people a day die as a result of their addiction. The 49 minutes that I mentioned are people that take their own lives or overdose. But every seven minutes, we lose somebody, 186 people a day. And you know, beautiful community here in Barrington Passage, beautiful seaside community, I know that there are hundreds, if not thousands of folks right here that are struggling with addiction. You know, addiction knows no boundaries. It doesn't matter whether you grew up in a family that was well-adjusted and wonderful, a Christian home even, <clears throat> or if you grew up in a terrible family, if you grew up with, with, with awful circumstances. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you grew up with a large income to, to deal with or if you grew up on the other side of the tracks. It doesn't matter what level of education you have or if you have no education. It doesn't matter if you grew up in the church or not. Addiction, my friends, knows no boundaries. A few years ago, I was in Boston with a youth group. We were working uh, at, with a street mission there in what's euphemistically called the war zone. I was waiting outside with our kids. We were going to go in and serve a meal. A group of homeless people gathered, and we were chatting with them, chatting with this guy. The door opened. We went into a chapel, much like this, and there was going to be like a half-hour evangelistic service before we went in to eat. I chatted with this guy, and when the doors opened, he brushed by me and walked right up on the stage and sat down at a piano, or an organ rather, and he played a piece of music such as I've never heard before. Uh, wait a minute, this, this doesn't compute. See, we have these stereotypes of what addiction, what an addict looks like. So after the service, I decided I would serve him his meal. I got a meal and sat beside him to find out that this man, are you ready? This man had been a fellow of the Boston Royal Conservatory of Music before he lost everything to addiction. Addiction knows no boundaries, friends. Happened to any age, any walk of life. Ted came into our program just over a year ago. Ted went to Briarcrest Bible College, married a Christian gal, married for 40 years. 20 years ago, he shares in his testimony that he decided he was no longer going to be the guy in the room that was going to say no when a beer was passed around. And he discovered very quickly that he loved whiskey to the point where he lost control. And Christmas Day a year ago, so not this Christmas gone by, but like a year and a half ago now, Ted's family kicked him out, kicked Grampy out from the Christmas dinner table and made him walk home in a snowstorm. That was enough for him to decide to come to Teen Challenge, so you, now you know Teen Challenge isn't just for teenagers. It's 18 years of age and up. And even though he'd walked with Jesus for years, 
the addiction had got a hold of him. At Teen Challenge, he got the help that he needed. And now he's back home with his wife and his grandkids, and he's volunteering at our Teen Challenge Center in Saskatoon. Addiction, amen. Amen. But friends, I want to impress on you, there's no stereotype for addiction, for someone who's struggling uh, with addiction. There's no stereotype. Let's go to the next slide. In 1958, David Wilkerson, a pastor, went to New York City and started working with street gangs, leading them to Christ and helping them get a new life in Christ and away from the drugs and the drug scene and all of the gang violence that was going on in New York City at the time. The mission has never changed. Our mission is to help men and women overcome substance abuse to lead full and productive lives. In other words, it is simply the gospel. Because what did Jesus say? Jesus said, I've come to give you life and give you what kind of life? Abundant life. So let me ask you this question. Have any of you heard this phrase? Once an addict? Oh, you've heard it too. Yes. So let me tell you, at Teen Challenge, we do not believe that. We do not believe that addiction defines who a person is. In fact, I'll say to you very clearly, that is a lie from the pit of hell. Because the truth is, if any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So when you're thinking about your friends and family that are struggling with addiction, I want you to remember this. That is not who they are. Love them. Pray for them. You're going to hear in a minute uh, the testimonies of these two guys. And I want to encourage you that that's not the end of the story. Our mission is to help men and women find freedom in Christ and find a new productive life. Let's go to the next slide. And with that, I'm going to invite Corey to come. And uh, Corey, we're going to do a question and answer. So we'll pass the mic back and forth. So Corey, um, we already know your name. How old are you? Where are you from? And what month are you in the program? I'm 34 years old. I'm originally from Brampton, Ontario, and I'm in my 11th month in the program. Awesome. What was life like for you growing up? I actually had a really good childhood. Uh, I grew up with uh, two parents that loved me very much, uh, two sisters. We celebrated all the holidays. Christmases were amazing. Uh, gifts, birthdays were awesome. Um, I did well in school, and uh, up until my teen years, like, things were very good. Cool. So, you had a great childhood. What happened? When were you first introduced to alcohol and drugs? Well, I always uh, struggled a lot with social anxieties, so this is really anxiety-provoking right now, being up here. Um, but, like, once I got into high school, uh, fitting in became more of an issue. Um, I found out that... Cannabis really helped relax me. It also gave me a group of people to hang out with, identify with. So I started smoking a lot of that. Um, and then I found out about alcohol, which really socially lubricates. And uh, I just took it and ran with it. And it stopped being about, you know, being able to talk to people and hang out. And it became about just drinking very quickly. So you were 13 
Fast forward a few years, and I'm going to ask a question about rock bottom, but let me explain something to you. I want you to picture, we're in a coastal community, so I want you to picture an anchor. And when you drop the anchor, it doesn't hook. It drags, bumps up and down, and then it hooks. So a guy or a gal struggling with addiction can have many rock bottoms, and you might get frustrated thinking, oh, finally, and then the next day they're back. Right? It's like this. It's not like this. It's not like this. It's like this. So my question to Corey is, that last rock bottom that brought you to Teen Challenge, talk about that and what got you to Teen Challenge. I had um, a, a girlfriend that I love very much, a job as a Finnish carpenter at, a, at Norwood Windows, which I really, really loved. Um, a nice car. Uh, we had a house together, and I lost all of it. I lost the car, uh, eventually my job, then my girlfriend and the house. And even after I went and stayed and lived with my, uh, my friend in his basement for a while, I had a lot of drunken episodes there. And ended up in the hospital a bunch of times, had seizures from trying to stop drinking. Um, and eventually it just became to the point where I realized that like my priority in life was vodka. It was alcohol. It was something that was supposed to provide me with the means to connect with people. It, that was the focal point of my life, and that was my rock bottom, was when it completely just consumed everything. So September, a year ago, you entered Teen Challenge. Um, tell the folks a little bit, like, what's it like being at Teen Challenge, and uh, what's God been doing with you? Well, it's... It's definitely a different program. Like, I've been to three 30-day programs before, two in Alberta, one in St. John. Um, and it's the longevity and the faith-based aspect of the program that has been really awesome for me. Um, it's, it's not easy. It is not an easy program. You pretty much just go point out, like, 15 to 20 random guys, and you say, let's live together. And uh, in bunk beds, nonetheless, like, three, four people to a room sometimes. So it's, it's very difficult um, it's, but it's biblical in the sense that iron sharpens iron. Like, the bread and the butter of the program is conflict resolution with, with your brothers, uh, problem solving, um, learning to deal with people leaving peanut butter filled spoons all over the place, and very messy, smelly bathrooms. Um, it's, it's a difficult program, but it's all the little things, all the little victories you get from, like, dealing with all these issues, um, doing it sober. Like, when you have very emotionally charged days, there's no bottle to run to, there's no cannabis to run to. And uh, I, I think, too, like, God definitely has his hand on that place because there's, there's a lot of prayers for patience, and a lot of them, I think, are being answered with the opportunity to, to develop it. So it's a difficult program, to say the least. <laughs> At graduation, we asked the question, what was the worst part of the program? And the guys will say, without exception, it's the guys. Then we ask, what's the best part of the program? Guess what they say? It's the guys, right? So my last question, Corey, what's God doing in Corey right now? You've been here 11 months. In a month time, you're going to graduate. What's God doing with you right now, current? He, well, in one word, purpose. Before where I was trying to find my purpose, my validation in things such as substance, relationships, uh, jobs, um, it always left me feeling empty, like I still, I could smoke, I could drink, I could f be in a very loving relationship, but 
it never made me feel full. And after discovering faith and spirituality, uh, what God, I think, is doing for me is giving me a sense of purpose. Um, every day I get to spend time in the morning reading the Word, and it seems like every day I find something, scripturally speaking, that is, it, it touches me, and it makes me realize that, like, there is a fulfilling, meaningful purpose to life, and it's not going to be found at the bottom of a bottle or at the end of a joint or in relationships or anything like that. So I, I really do feel like God has handed my life in a way that's shown me purpose. And that's what he's been doing for me. Thank you, Thank you. Awesome. We're going to hear from Matt in a few minutes, but let's go to the next slide. Thanks, brother. Thanks, Corey. Uh, so I've got a brochure here I want you to look at. It's the same as what's up on the wall. It says, get help. Uh, probably two years ago now, I live in Moncton. The men's center is in Memram Cook, about a 45-minute drive from my home. But I travel. I put uh, 70, 80,000 kilometers in the car every year, uh, speaking in churches and meeting with businesses and so on during the week. I was in Halifax on my way back home. And often I stop in Truro. It's a great spot to stop. Go to Smitty's and have supper. Gas up, get on the road and go home. So this particular day, I stopped, gas station in Truro, went in paid to pay for my gas, and I handed the young lady my Teen Challenge credit card. I handed her my Teen Challenge Air Miles card. You can get one of those at the table if you want to collect Air Miles for us. My last trip to Toronto, by the way, was 100 bucks because people collect them and give the points directly to us. At any rate, I wasn't ready for the interchange that was about to take place. She looks at me and she sees Teen Challenge, Teen Challenge, sees my shirt. So she says, what's Teen Challenge? So I said, well, it's a faith-based 12-month live-in drug and alcohol rehab center. Now, before I say any more, ladies, I need to apologize to you because I don't know what to do when a woman cries. I never did. That's how my wife got me. <laughs> True story, but not, I haven't got time to tell you. So she started crying, and I'm standing there. I'm, I already feel awkward, but now I'm feeling more awkward. Like, what do I say? So I looked at the young lady, and I said, I'm sorry, dear. To which she said, are you ready? She looked at me, and she said, I wish my mom had known there was a place she could have got help. That's all she said. I lost it. Line up of people. I don't know the rest of the story. Maybe in heaven I'll find out. But I know this. It's a story of pain. It's a story of loss. It's a story of heartache that didn't have to be that case. Teen Challenge is still a very well-kept secret in the Maritimes. And I need your help. There's three things I'm going to ask of you today, and this is the first. Would you please help me change that? And here's my ask. It's very simple. At the table as you leave are brochures that look like this. Say, get help. Toll-free number. Good anywhere in Canada. 1-877-343-1022. Or there's a little smaller postcard that looks like this. Grab one or a dozen of them and hide them in plain sight. When you go to the garage to get gas, just slide it by the cash register. You're getting your hair cut. Ladies, you're going to the beauty salon. You're getting your nails done. 
Next time you go to a restaurant, take one, put it on the toilet in the bathroom. Hide it in plain sight and let them become ticking time bombs of God's grace so that when that young lady says, today's it, do you understand that there comes a point when we struggle with addiction that the only thing we think of is how we can die without hurting our family? Do you know that? That's true. In fact, the reason why most of us have used substances is not to feel better, it's not to feel good, it's to stop feeling bad. And so would you help me? Take one of these, take a dozen of these, spread them around, help get the word out so that the next time I go to the gas station and somebody sees my t-shirt, they're going to say, hey, I know about Teen Challenge. My mom went there and she got clean and what an awesome difference. Amen? Next slide. We run, Teen Challenge Canada now runs nine centers across Canada. We've got four in Ontario, three men's centers and a women's center. We have three out west, uh, two in Alberta, a men's and women's center near Calgary, a men's center near Saskatch uh, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. But right here in the Maritimes, in Memram Cook, which is a little French community just outside of Moncton, we have the men's center there. We bought a monastery 16 years ago, converted it. We now have room for 24 men and four phase four students. You'll understand what that means in a minute. And in St. John's, Newfoundland, we have a women's center that we opened about five years ago now, and we have room for, I think, six women. We're trying to grow that. It's expensive, uh, but God has, after 30 years of praying, we opened the women's center in St. John's. 30 years people have been praying for us to come there. During COVID, when we were all locked down and everything was all a mess, we were still at work. We never closed our doors. In fact, in January of 2021, during COVID, we opened a men's center in the Ottawa Valley, and it's now fully functioning. It was a million dollars that God raised through our, our efforts, and uh, we were able to open, to open that ninth center. We now have room for 233 men and women across the nine centers. Praise God for that. Next slide. <clears throat> You heard Corey talk about how tough the program is. It is a 12-month full holistic program, and it is hard. In fact, maybe other organizations wouldn't want you to know some of these statistics, but I'm going to tell you, 58% of the men who start at one of our Teen Challenge Centers quits in the first four months. 58%. Why? Because it's a hard program. We need your prayers. We need your prayers. The average man that comes to one of our Teen Challenge Men's Centers have already been to three, the statistic is 3.1, three other, sent, three other rehab programs. And I want you to understand what that means, what that feels like. So I'm going to pick on this wonderful gentleman here with the shiny forehead. What's your first name? Arnold. So, Arnold, you're my 17-year-old son in this example. What's your name? Steve. Steve. Okay, Steve. <laughs> I'd get the truth out of him. Well, Steve, I'm fed up with you. I've had enough. <laughs> I'm tired 
of your lies. I'm tired of the manipulation. You need help. You're stealing money from my wallet. You're taking jewelry from your mom's, your, your mom's uh, you know, dresser. It's enough. You need to go get help. So after a few months of fighting and arguing, I finally talked Steve into going to get help. So he goes for 30 days. And in 30 days, we can get you dry. We're just going to lock you up, throw away the key for 30 days. There's no booze, no drugs, no weed, nothing for you to get at. So you're going to come home dry. But you're not going to come home clean. And you're not going to come home changed. And you're not going to come home healed. But you're going to think you are. And then a day, a week, a month, three months later, what happens? He relapses. Because he didn't deal with whatever was going on that got you into the mess in the first place, right? So you go back to the second rehab. Maybe you go for another 30 days. Maybe you go for 60 days. What do you think is going on in Steve's heart by the time he's relapsed for the third time? Do you think there's anything left of hope? Do you think that there's anything but shame and regret and self-loathing? And that is the average individual that comes to Teen Challenge. I need your prayers. Please pray for these men that come. Please pray for the staff that God would continue to keep his hand, as Corey said, that God would keep his hand on this organization and the men and women that work there and the men and women that come for help. It is a hard program. Next slide. There are, in the 12 months, there are three four-month phases. So a young man, a gentleman arrives, and we welcome him to the center. It is not a clinical atmosphere. It is a family atmosphere. It is a home. And so during that first four months, we want to help them new, learn new habits. Because when you're an addict, there's only two things you think about. What are they? What's the first thing an addict thinks about? Anybody? Tell me. What's the first thing an addict thinks about? Nobody knows? Where do I get my fix? Where do I get my fix? Where do I get my drug of choice? I can't cope. I need the bottle. I need the weed. I need the coke. Whatever it is, whatever the drug of choice is, that's all they think about. So I'm going to manipulate you. I'm going to do everything and anything I can to get what I want because the drug has taken over. Once that's accomplished, what's the second thing an addict thinks about? How do I get my next one? So oral hygiene, brushing their teeth, eating properly, getting out of bed in the morning, making their bed, washing the dishes, going to work, none of that matters. None of that matters. Unless it fulfills that purpose of getting the next fix. So when they come to Teen Challenge, we want to help these guys develop healthy new habits. So for the first three months, that's what we focus on. Get out of bed. Make your bed. That's still in the back of my head from my mother for 50 years ago. <laughs> right? During that next four months, we begin what's called the training phase. During that phase, we want to help the men discover their identity in Christ. Now, you may be surprised, but a lot of the guys that come to Teen Challenge are Christians. If you understood there's no stereotype, you'd understand that that means that many of us as Christians still struggle with addiction. It doesn't change my identity in Christ, 
I just need to understand not who I am. Are you ready? Whose I am. Because it's not about me being in Christ. It's about Christ being in me. And the power of God to work in my heart and to change my life. During the last four months, phase three, it's the transition phase. So we're going to help the guys. Where are you going to live when you, when you graduate? Where are you going to work? Where's your church family? Who's your support network? What are you going to do to maintain your recovery and to live now a sober life? And we walk them through that. And I'll tell you, after 40-some years of pastoral ministry, seeing the healing of relationships, having mom and dad or the spouse or the kids or all of the above come to graduation and cheer that man on as he graduates is just sweet, sweet, sweet. After they graduate, the men have an opportunity. They can stay for six months to a year in what now is called a phase four. It's like an internship. They work uh, at the center. They get their car, a set of car keys. They have access to a car. They're still a student in the program, but they get their cell phone back that they haven't had for 12 months. They get access to the Internet, and they can choose to work in the kitchen. They can work in maintenance which in the summertime is mowing lawn, in the wintertime is shoveling snow, uh, painting and all kinds of repairs in the building. They can work in our spiritual life department. Noah graduated a few months ago, and he's going to Crandall University in September to study for ministry or uh, counseling ministry, but he's now working in spiritual life for the summer, so he's leading Bible studies. Here's a gentleman who just graduated who's now leading Bible studies with other men still in the program. If they're really blessed, they get to travel with me. That's supposed to be a joke. All right, next slide. I am delighted to invite Matt to come, and Matt is going to share his story. Would you welcome Matt? Good evening. It's always an honor and a blessing to get on stage to be able to share my story with the congregation. God is big enough to hear our pain and, wear, and bear the weight of our sorrows. It may seem wrong to express anger toward God, but lament is healthy. Too often we turn from God in shame over our anger instead of inviting him to carry our burden of pain. Our loving God does not cause our pain, nor does he sit distant to our struggles. He grieves with the pain of our heart and walks with us through every step even when our eyes are too filled with frustration to recognize his presence. He longs to hear the cry of our hearts, and he grieves with us. My name is Matthew Bruce. I'm 36 years young. This is my story. Growing up as a child, I was blessed to have a roof over my head, food to eat, and to be able to participate in sports. I lived a somewhat normal childhood, had many friends, and would often spend many days exploring the forest behind our houses. Fast forward to my teenage years, I was playing hockey at a very competitive level, and we recently won a championship. We went back to a teammate's house, and we drank until we were inebriated. I woke up in a horrible state realizing what I had partaken in. This was the start of a lifestyle of guilt, shame, lying to my parents, and ultimately wanting the party lifestyle. My father was an alcoholic and he was not Christian. He would come home from the office reaching for a bottle in which I knew a different man was about to unfold. 
one who would make my sisters cry and leave the dinner table, mocking them, wanting me to join in. My father would often cuss at me, cuff my head, or think physical and mental abuse was a part of how I needed to grow up. I feared him greatly, and so did my friends. This continued into my early adulthood, in which I worked in the oil field, drank, and partied. In my early 20s, I recall being at the bar with my best friend. We were so intoxicated, we were kicked out, deciding to get behind the wheel. He drove a sports car, and on the way home, I blacked out as we went onto an overpass. The next thing I knew, the jaws of life were being used on me. We had T-boned an older couple, and the car was one roll from falling onto the highway, which was certain death. I had a couple of broken ribs and a concussion, but I would accept this over the other option. Thank God both parties survived. When I was around 24, I decided to move in with my close friend who was a drug dealer. To this day, I question why I did it, but I realized it was because I had access to weed, among other substances, at my fingertips. It wasn't long after I began dealing and doing drops myself. I vividly remember one evening, I was told to drive down a back alley, have someone jump into the car, to be handed a large envelope of cash, and to hand them a backpack. This did not go as planned. Instead, I was held at gunpoint, forced to turn over the bag. And with the blink of an eye, they were gone, and so was I. I moved out of the house and tried working as a normal individual, in and out of camp jobs or jobs around cities. However, I could never get a grasp on my alcoholism or longing for another high, so jobs didn't last long. Tragedy stuck me, struck me even harder in my 20s when I impregnated my girlfriend at the time. I recall lying in bed and her giving me the news. I was ecstatic and thrilled to know I'd be starting a family. Yet we grew very distant in a short period of time. She had a friend drive her to Calgary, where she aborted the baby behind my back. This is something to this day that still tugs at my heartstrings. I would have given my life to have given that baby a chance to breathe. I eventually ended up back in Medicine Hat, Alberta, an emotional wreck, unable to hold on to a job due to addiction, unable to attend college classes. I had to make a decision. I started waking up blackout drunk in the middle of the floor, surrounded by vomit, not knowing what damage I was doing to others, what damage I was doing to my family. I felt lost. But he who is lost shall be found. And by the grace of God, my sister Heather started the process of filling out paperwork for detox and ultimately Teen Challenge. Upon being in detox one morning, my sister arrived around 10 a.m. She laid out the options before me, one being a 28-day program, one Teen Challenge Calgary, and the last one Teen Challenge Atlantic. I begged my sister to get me to Teen Challenge Atlantic. Schedule was very tight, and I left at 2 p.m. with my brother-in-law, Tyrell, who willingly came despite the calving season, his fear of flying. And while we were waiting for our flight, we were told we might be grounded due to winter conditions, yet our flight went through. Upon arriving in Halifax, I was told someone who I don't even know from their church had paid for a rental car with a full tank of gas to drive me to Memramcook. It was through God and his unfailing love I arrived on the doorstep of Teen Challenge. Now life isn't always easy here. In fact, it's hard in most settings. 
Yet God has begun to create me in his own image. I am the clay, he is the potter. I plan to complete the program to the best of my ability and to be able to give back what was given to me, a new life through Christ and Christ alone. Through Teen Challenge, I have begun to regain resilience, integrity, and assertiveness by being broken down and remolded. I have slowly started reconciliation with my family and for the first time ever been told the words I love you by my nieces and by my father. Teen Challenge for the Better will put you through many trials and tribulations, giving you the keys you need to live a successful life. Just because our restoration takes time doesn't mean our faith is in vain. 12 months of rehabilitation for 40 years of success with the Lord. I continue to look forward to seeing what God has planned for me. He is steering my ship, and where I land is up to him. If there is anything I can share about loved ones struggling with addiction, whether family or close friends, don't give up on them. Keep holding on. We all are or have been affected one way or another, yet there is hope. Hope above, hope for all of us. When we realize that God is the only one who can help, nothing can block our recovery. It took my mother 15 years to have my father step into a church. Yet through the Lord above, he no longer drinks, no longer swears, but instead he serves the church and is a completely changed individual. If this isn't the power of Christ, what is? Matthew 21, verse 12 to 14 states, And Jesus entered the temple and drove out those who were buying and selling in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a robber's den. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. Just as Jesus cleared the temple, he clears our temple. When we have a toxic thought or act in toxic ways, we need Jesus to use that braided whip in order to cleanse our demons and to make us whole again. Call out to him. He loves you. He will forgive you. He will free you from your habits. He will give you his power to live for him. Be sure to keep in God's word and in fellowship with other Christians so you will be encouraged to walk in his ways. Thank you, and God bless. Thank you, Matt. All right, let's go to the next slide. We've launched a new website called changedlives.ca. The website, all that's on the site are videos. They're true stories. The pictures you see are students that graduated from one of our programs across Canada and they tell their stories, they're professionally done, each is about seven minutes, and they're amazing, amazing opportunities. If you know somebody struggling with addiction, they're good for you to watch, they're good for your friend to watch. And if you're here and addiction is like a million miles away from you, I still encourage you to check out the website because it's just filled with hope that God is still at work. Next slide. I hope today that what we've shared with you has actually 
encouraged you and brought hope. Please continue to pray for us. Pray for our students in our centers. Pray for the men and women who are dreading, trying to get into the program. Please pray for our staff. We've talked about uh, ways that you can help. Uh, I'm gonna watch, we're going to watch a video in just a minute, uh, the, a, the Journey sponsorship video. But I, I want to encourage you that we need your help. I asked you, my first ask was the Get Help brochure. Uh, let's go to that video now, and we'll look at this. It's about 90 seconds long. The journey to addiction many times begins with tremendous personal hurt, pain, trauma, and despair. And so finding freedom from addiction doesn't just happen either. The journey to recovery begins with loving individuals, daily walking with men and women, helping them to face their past generational wounds, their inabilities to cope, or lack of personal identity so they can start the transformation into the person they were intended to be. Now this journey of recovery would not be possible if it weren't for the incredible faithfulness and generosity from supporters like you. At Teen Challenge, ongoing partnerships are much more than the financial backbone of our ministry. They are a testimony to all those still in addiction that even in the midst of their brokenness, they can know they are worth investing in. By joining the journey, and becoming part of our incredible community of monthly supporters, composed of passionate, generous, driven people like yourself, you are not only helping someone on their personal road to recovery, you are becoming a key part of their victory story. Your financial support shows those in our program that you believe there's still hope. It is not too late for help, and you are willing to invest in them I encourage you to think seriously about joining us by investing in the lives of these men. Just so you know, Teen Challenge only asks of a student for $1,000. Not $1,000 per month, not $1,000 a week. That's what you'll pay in a private program. Government programs cost $100,000 to $150,000 a year of taxpayers' money. We asked the student to pay $1,000 for the 12 months, and the other 50000 that it actually costs is my job. And so unashamedly, I'm asking you to pray and seriously consider becoming a sponsor, investing $5 a month, $10 a month, $100 a month, $20 a month, whatever God puts on your heart. The brochure has more information, and I'd be happy to talk to you afterwards about that. But there's one more thing I want to talk about. Let's go to the slide with the picture of the prayer box. Awesome. Did everybody get a brochure? 
All right, would you look in the brochure, I need everybody to do this, find the little white piece of paper. This is very important. You should have a little white piece of paper. If you didn't, I have an extra one. Anybody else not get a brochure or not get one? Because here's, here's the third ask, but it's now talking about partnership. At the beginning, I asked you by show of hands, how many of you know somebody struggling with addiction? A lot of us do. If you do, you know the heartache. You know the constant drama. I am promising you that we will pray faithfully for your friends, your family, every day. Several times a week, the staff and the students gather in our chapel. We take these little white pieces of paper and we read the names that you're going to write on them and we pray for them that God would do a work. So what I'm asking you to do is take that piece of paper Write the person's first name. I don't need a last name. I don't need a phone number. I don't need any details because the Father already knows all of that. My commitment, my promise in our partnership is that we will consistently plead and ask the Father to do a work of grace in those friends and family that you know that are struggling with addiction. I'm going to invite Pastor Alex to come and we're going to pray. I'm going to ask you to just think of those folks. You're going to write the names down. What you'll do is you'll fold them, and you can put them in the offering. We have a little white basket at our table. You can drop them in that basket. Uh, if you want to make a donation, we have a debit machine there. You can put a donation in there as well. Um, but I want to pray for uh, these folks. I have a friend right now. Her name is Carrie. She's a young mom. She's still an addict. She's burned a hole in the back of her throat inside from snorting cocaine, and nothing is stopping. And I've led her to Christ, but she still hasn't found freedom because she doesn't want to leave her home. She doesn't. It's tough. I want to pray for her, but I want to pray for your friends as well. Would you join me in praying? We really hope that this message has motivated you to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus and has inspired you to join us in our mission to take Jesus into every community of Southwest Nova. If you have any questions about the sermon, if you want to know how you can get involved, send us an email at office at coastalchurchns.com. We'd love to get connected with you. Have a great day.